0: Warning, this episode contains major spoilers for the films Carnival of Souls from 1962 and Freaks from 1932. So if you haven't yet seen these films and you don't want them to be spoiled, you can check out one of our other episodes. This episode also contains a brief mention of miscarriage, so listener discretion is advised. Thanks and enjoy the show.
1: that count
0: yeah that sounded good
1: anyway welcome ladies and germs to the latest episode of ah real films i was gonna do the thing where you say ah and then you anyway welcome ladies and germs today we are uh discussing oh yeah sorry i am oh what do i call myself today i am michael myers
0: holy shit okay i'm (laughs) jamie lee curtis
1: (laughs) Okay, that's a weird dynamic. Anyway, today uh, on this episode of the show, we are discussing black and white horror films before 1968 because 1968 was the year that Night of the Living Dead came out. And I think we were both in agreement that we didn't want to cheat the system and -hmm. discuss both of our favorite films, Human Centipede Centipede (laughs) two. Just kidding, folks. No, we wanted the
0: first Human Centipede, and I will go on record saying that.
1: (laughs) No, we wanted to be able to discuss old school films. That mm-hmm. didn't make a stylistic choice to go to black and white. Now it's debatable. Night of the Living Dead. I don't think that movie could have been color. It worked great as a black and white film, and I but I do think they did it for budgetary reasons. That sort of seems like the last major horror film to do the black and white thing.
0: I think a few films have come out recently, especially The Artist, which won best mm-hmm. best picture mm-hmm. in like 2015 or something. Actually, it's probably a longer ago than that. But a few films have come out recently that so that was an artistic choice. Exactly. I mean, I don't think I don't think films are made in black and white anymore for budgetary reasons, but I do think that black and white films continue to be made for stylistic reasons. And so we wanted to basically we wanted to discuss older horror films, we feel that's like a topic that's not covered in a lot of other horror movie podcasts. And one of my favorite films, the one I'm going to be talking about today, one of my favorite horror films is a black and white old horror film. And so that's kind of where this discussion came from. Yeah, same.
1: And I think especially younger horror fans, a lot of us came to the genre by newer films I would say there's a huge horror resurgence with like things like Scream or the Blair Witch Project and a lot of people, millennials our age, came to the horror genre after those films or around those films The Ring was another really big one uh, in our childhood that movie scared the absolute piss out of me <laughs>
0: But, that's the reason why Justin won't watch horror films anymore. Yes, yes. yes
1: your your boyfriend, Justin, will He's not. He's a
0: weenie.
1: <laughs> he refuses to watch horror films because of the ring. With that said, I think a lot of newer horror fans ignore some of the older classics. And now, let's be honest here, okay? Dracula, good movie, boring movie, right? I mean, I think a lot of old films get flack for being boring, and I think that's why people don't like
0: i like dracula i like the book dracula too though mm-hmm. so i feel like that might play boring book as well it's not a boring <laughs> book it's uh, actually really good um one of my favorite books but yeah i think some she's
1: uh, pushing up her glasses as yeah. she says
0: <laughs> i ran out got a pair of glasses <laughs> put them on <laughs> i like older films but i agree with you that by modern standards they're boring um well, i mean towards the beginning of the film industry when movies first started being made, the novelty of them really drove the industry, mm-hmm. I think. You know, people came into like a room, they saw something they never saw before, and they didn't really care about the story or the plot. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not to say, again, that older horror films or older films can't be good, but just by modern standards, they're not really what we think of as films. And
1: yeah. also, they're not what we think of as scary, too. I think mm-hmm. both the films that we're going to be talking about were probably absolutely horrifying upon release uh, watching them now can't say they're at least scary in the way that we would be scared nowadays mm-hmm. however i can totally see how both of these films would have just scared the absolute shit out of people mm-hmm. um but i mean with all that said Uh, Even with the slower pace of older horror films, even with the different sort of way that they tried to scare people, different sort of subject matter, I think uh, we really wanted to, and I think we'll probably do another episode like this in the future, I would hope. Yeah, definitely. Um, Because there's, I mean, obviously- I have a few ideas. So many, so many classics. Yeah, yeah. I think these two films that we're going to discuss are really sort of- Great examples of movies that can appeal, if not necessarily scare, Mm -hmm. but certainly appeal to modern audiences and modern horror fans.
0: I mean, we've already kind of gotten into early film history, um, but I just wanted to kind of provide a backdrop of where we're at at the times of the films that we're going to be discussing. Your film is from the 1930s. Mm which is, in fact, even when talking pictures were were novel. And mine was actually in the beginning of the 1960s, so pretty much the end of the black and white horror, or black and white film in general mm-hmm. era. So I actually prepared something. So if this sounds stilted, just interrupt me. It's
1: top from the top of the dome, folks. It's really <laughs> incredible. I'm just being
0: honest. <laughs> so early horror films were known as spook tales, and they weren't known as horror until the 1930s, which is when... Your film came mm-hmm. out, and mm-hmm. that was one of the very first would say, horror films. And I
1: would say, you know, you think of the 1930s, uh, Dracula, Frankenstein. Yes, I'll be the, getting to that. Well, some of the earliest horror mm-hmm. films in, you know, yeah. in the lexicon. Not lexicon. Uh...
0: No, you sounded smart. Keep, yeah, just uh, keep Lexicon. Yeah. <laughs> the first horror film was Le Manoir du Di- Diable, The Devil's House. Hmm. I speak French. In 1896 by Georges Miles, maybe, or Miles. I really Is don't know. Is that the
1: guy who did the, the Moon movie?
0: The faked moon landing? No, that was Stanley Cooper. No, okay. About a Zoom! Okay. <laughs> a super... So this was a supernatural film that had bats, devils, witches, etc. appearing and disappearing in puffs of smoke. So this mm. is what I was talking about, where just the novelty of filmmaking was the entertainment. Let's
1: be honest, though. If you saw bats, witches, and skeletons, you said skeletons, I think. It's terrifying to any human
0: yeah, being. Yeah, I didn't, but that is still Skeletons scary. are still scary.
1: <laughs> Black cats.
0: Yes, So Nosferatu of 1922 was one of the first horror films to bring realistic storytelling to the screen instead of basically magic tricks. Mm -hmm. So instead of fake and stylized sets, these films had actors in real life situations. And of course Nosferatu is... Just a knockoff Dracula. Wow! Well, but I will say Nosferatu. I've I, I don't know. Have you seen it? Oh yeah, yeah. You were talking about how early horror films aren't scary, scary. I will say Nosferatu is a scary dude. It is. I, yeah, I mean, he's I think freaky. Just, just
1: the look of him. It's yeah. kind of like Phantom of the Opera. Mm. The look of the Phantom. I mean,
0: those right things... now. Those songs are gonna be stuck in my head for the next three hours. <laughs>
1: That's embarrassing. But I think some of the old makeup effects mm-hmm. really do uh, stand up. To today. I mean yeah. nosferatu is insane looking. Yeah. I mean he just looks when incredible. he showed up in
0: that one episode of SpongeBob from when we were oh, kids. My
1: God that
0: like scared me. It's, that's the
1: Nosferatu I think of. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was like, what are you doing? So technology for recording sound onto film strips was developed in the early nineteen twenties, but the nineteen twenty seven The Jazz Singer was the first big talkie hit. Mm-hmm.
1: Very racist. Film. I was
0: about to say, do not watch it because <laughs> it's kind of it's like the a, guy in blackface. It's, the entire it's time. kind of just yeah. like birth.
1: How Birth of the Nation was like the first modern film. It's, I mean, it's, it's really unfortunate.
0: Yeah, it, and honestly, is kind of unfortunate that this was like the first big talky hit. So you're like, I want to watch it, but then when you watch it, you're like, so I've never watched it. I no, mean, me I don't neither. really feel. In I have too. watched
1: Birth of a Nation, and it's as deplorable as its reputation. Definitely watch that movie on times two speed. It is boring. Anyway, just a side note.
0: (laughs) It is boring. (laughs) Okay, the first all-talking horror film was The Terror in 1928, a Mm. slasher film. Literally, when I looked it up, it said, it's a slasher film from 1928. I-, I gotta watch it. Yeah, that sounds good. yeah. So horror really came into its own in the 1930s, as we just discussed, particularly due to the success of the universal monster horror films. Mm-hmm. So Dracula of 1931, Frankenstein of 1931, and King Kong of 1933 skirted that area's codes, that era's codes, sorry, and allowed filmmakers to explore the darker side of the human psyche. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite monster film?
1: Oh man. I hate to put first, you on the spot but the first thing that comes to mind. So are you talking about ancient monster film? nineteen
0: thirties, nineteen forties, yeah.
1: I love the Wolfman. That oh, was a great I movie seen that. from nineteen I want to say 39, 40, 41, Lon Chaney Jr. And I just like it because of the scenes where he's running around in the foggy forest. I mean, look, again, these movies aren't really scary to modern audiences, but it's creepy. Like, those images really stick with you. So I'll go with The Wolfman. What about you?
0: My favorite is actually Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh,
1: that's a great one.
0: Because, again, speaking of these movies not necessarily being scary, that one actually, I thought, was pretty scary. Because it really plays off of, and I mean, I think Jaws really borrows pretty heavily from this you don't know what yeah. is in the water basically. And that one was
1: shot in North Florida, yes. correct? Uh our Silver home, Springs. Silver Springs. Shout out. So the arm armpit of Florida, but still North Florida. Yeah.
0: Yes. Sad stuff with the hurricane. Recently yeah. started bringing yeah. it down, we're we're okay. We're folks. okay, folks. We made it um. out through fine.
1: A little bit of lost power.
0: <laughs> but yeah. I don't know why I was like, uh, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we had a hurricane, okay? <laughs> so Listen we and sound subscribe. <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe you should cut us some fucking slack. Also,
1: the Jags lost this weekend. Listen and subscribe if you even care a oh, little bit is, about, about oh, us. Oh, yeah, we
0: decided that this is going to become a Jags podcast. Yeah, yeah, sorry,
1: we're changing If it you mid-slay. don't like
0: Blake Bortle, the greatest <laughs> yeah. QB of all time, you're fucking fooling yourself. And this is a call okay. to all
1: fake Jags fans, okay? <laughs> Anyway, you want to continue with our horror podcast? Yes, um,
0: the last thing I wanted to say was that the first horror film shot in color was The Curse of Frankenstein in 1957, directed huh. by Terence Fisher.
1: That was one of the Hammer films if I remember correctly, sort of the revitalization of horror films in the 50s. Yes. Or, uh, sorry, monster films in the yeah. 50s.
0: Yeah. So in, that was gonna, my, my next sentence I wrote down was, this film ushered in a new era of monster movies. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting that the first film shot in color was in 1957, because yeah. my film actually Comes fi- uh, five years after that.
1: Well, I think actually the most bizarre thing about that is how late the first color horror film was because Wizard of Oz came out in 1939, Wizard Gone of... with the Wind, shortly after that. Wizard
0: of Oz, and there's another film. I don't remember Wait, which Gone one. Gone with the Wind
1: was in color. I've never seen Gone I with the
0: have... Wind. Again, boring. <laughs> yeah, no way. Yeah, um, racist
1: and boring. No the Wizard
0: you. of Oz, uh, and there's another film. I don't remember which one, sorry. But those, yeah, those were the first films shot in Technicolor. Ooh. I was listening to another podcast today, New Rec, called Dead Meat. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they were also talking about The Wizard of Oz. And they said that at the time, the reason why the fantasy sequences were shot in color was because audiences, like, associated that with surrealism. And they oh. associated black and white with, which was what they were used to seeing on screen, with realism. Huh. Yeah, I thought that was really cool really cool and that's why only part of it isn't technical well
1: you know i'm thinking about mandy um which we've both watched at this point but (sighs) it was
0: so good the
1: most surreal aspects of that film are like very high contrast yeah that's the right term for it you know it's very bright colors very Mm -hmm. like you know stylized colors so i think that still applies to to today as well so interesting stuff yeah i Uh, just
0: thought, thought i wanted to give kind of a context to early film i don't know I mean, I'm n- not a film expert by any uh, means. I haven't really formally studied it. But I am. You took an IB film class <laughs> <laughs> ten years ago. <laughs> I I was the star of your uh, film project. Well, technically, you were the star. But <laughs> I was the other star. So yeah. So that, as I said, that kind of leads into my film, which is one of. It's a later black and white film. It was a 1962 independent horror film. Mm-hmm. So Shot not associated.
1: 30,000 Thirty three
0: thousand. You were very oh, crazy. close. Yeah. Crazy. Called Carnival of Souls, nineteen sixty two mm. independent horror film, written, produced, and directed by Herc Harvey and starring Candace Hilligloss, who plays Mary Henry. Very famous actors. Um, she apparently wrote a memoir that I will be reading. Oh, I'm sure great. it's good. Actually, weirdly, like a very good actress, you know, even by I would say modern standards.
1: I thought she was fantastic throughout the movie. Yeah. Especially what she was asked to do in that movie mm-hmm. to I think we should, as always, give a spoiler alert on these because we, unlike other horror podcasts, we're not afraid to give you spoilers, <laughs> but also, spoiler alert. I will
0: be ruining this 60-year-old film, yes. so just a warning.
1: <laughs> Sorry to all, to the 61-year-olds who have been holding off for 60 <laughs> years on watching this movie. What she was asked to do is essentially skirt the line between reality and dream world yeah. fiction, whatever, Yeah, and she never gives it away. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always left wondering throughout the whole film, and- I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, 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 Give us a little rundown. I'll do a plot synopsis because it's
0: kind of hard to know what you're talking about without knowing the facts of the movie, which is that. So at the beginning, Mary Henry, she's in a car with her friends. She does like a drag race with this other car that Mm. pulls up. Her car goes into the lake or river and all of her friends die, but she comes out alive. Great shot of her coming out of the river. She's like not, classics
1: i i read an article that noted um she's not wet when she comes out of the river too have you ever noticed that she's covered in mud but she's not her hair is not wet either
0: i wonder if that's a so i think people have attributed that to a continuity error but it also oh. to me is a little bit of like a foreshadowing yeah, exactly, so, exactly yeah. yeah but so she uh shortly after this takes a organist like organ playing position in salt lake city i Rewatch this film i've watched it i mean i watched it for the first time when i was 13 it was on a dvd set we had of mm-hmm. like old horror films of like
1: non-copyrighted films yeah. like <laughs> the living dead was on there go sees the ape man which was night of the living
0: dead is copyrighted now finally yeah finally, yeah finally. um but anyway yeah i think we got it at like the dollar tree
1: <laughs> i watched 50 movies on there yeah though. that was pretty incredible
0: um house on haunted hill was uh, on there yes, yeah yes. so i watched this i've seen this movie like probably 20 times like i've seen it a lot of times and i can never i really want to know if she's playing for the lds church i don't know why i, I googled it i'm see, like is she playing for a mormon church
1: i think she's playing is she for in a the
0: tab ca- is she in the tabernacle
1: i think she's playing for a catholic church because i saw the little priests like collar I that's think, the only thing but i don't know if I think other churches Episcopalian
0: do alien priests <sighs> I or preachers
1: he sure was very uh
0: he was very Father Moss in his way. Well, he
1: not only was like no, he was very much like our old priest at our Catholic <laughs> church, but also very like judgmental. As soon as she starts playing like a weird sounded song, she's the Catholic out of there. guilt came down
0: pretty so hard. That's what yeah. made me
1: think about Catholic. Okay, so sure.
0: So she goes to play for a Catholic slash Mormon slash Episcopalian church, and she she's very detached from the people around her. She doesn't seek and at times often avoids like human contact. It's hard to know whether or not she was always that way, but you have to think at the beginning she was with like four friends, Mm -hmm. so she presumably wasn't always that way. So the whole film, she is just kind of pushing away human contact, and she's also haunted by the vision of a carnival that is outside on the outskirts of town, and by the vision of like this demon basically that yeah. is following played, her
1: played by the director yes
0: played by her very carving. very well yeah. yeah and so things kind of deteriorate because she, she's being haunted by this ghoul she's like really resistant to hanging out with people she's haunted by like a great organ soundtrack uh,
1: it's fantastic Haunting. original soundtrack yeah the way i learned yeah
0: she also starts going through spells where she can't hear people talking around her she can't hear the sounds of you know cars or the wind mm-hmm. or anything around her and people can't hear her so mm-hmm. she's effectively cut off from like the real world so this keeps on happening and happening she's fired from her job as you said for playing weird organ music which was like lit if you yeah, ask me I thought but it whatever was the best
1: song of the whole movie but you know you would just me.
0: like throw down at the club to that but um <laughs> and then she decides to like get out of town and she's just like everywhere she goes she's seeing goals and like etc 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 and then I really want to say the end of the movie. Can, do you think I can? We're
1: yeah. going to talk a lot of spoilers. What happens at the end of the movie? Because I want to get into it. Yeah.
0: So at the end of the movie, you go back to her hometown. They are pulling the car out of the river again, and she's inside the car. Yeah. And so, before
1: that, you see her at this carnival that's outside the town, and mm-hmm. like there's these ghouls dancing and chasing her down. And mm-hmm. It just kind of culminates... In in this, like, scene where she is, like, confronted by all these ghouls at the carnival.
0: It's so, I'm, like, kind of getting chills just thinking about it. It's such a good, good film. It's really good. So the whole film is, as opposed to other horror movies of the time, there's not really a lot of jump scares. I mean, there is when you first see the ghoul, I would say. And then when she goes onto the bus and she sees the bus full of ghouls, like... Mm -hmm. Those are, like, legitimately scary parts, but it's more atmospheric.
1: Well, it's in real contrast to the monster movies from the 50s. The Hammer monster movies with Dracula, Frankenstein. Uh, I think there was some about the mummy, the wolfman, all that stuff. Yeah. It's in real contrast to that because, like, yes, there is this one ghoul she keeps seeing played by the director. But the ghoul isn't, like the monster of the movie. Like, the, the what yeah. the scary aspect of the movie is, like, her detachment from right. reality. She keeps on going to these weird states where she can't communicate with people. She doesn't know what's going on. And then while this is occurring, she's seeing this ghoul over and over again and other, you know, weird shit is going on, like she's playing this organ music that she's never learned before. Exactly, yeah. Like thinking about the carnival. It's like she's being possessed. Exactly.
0: I mean, again, I'm not a film historian in any way, and I haven't seen a ton of old films, but this is a really early and possibly one of the first examples of an atmospheric horror movie which, as you all know, because of my love of the witch, is kind of like my favorite. It's your bag. It's my bag. <laughs> um, <laughs> and actually, this movie was said to inspire both David Lynch oh, in yeah. its su- surreal supernatural elements, but also in the um, in the styling of the demon George A. Romero. Uh, uh,
1: yes, the, that's his the, middle name. The, zom- the <laughs> zombies from uh, yes. The Living Dead yeah. look a lot oh, like the demon. Totally, totally, yeah. And- I noticed that almost immediately without – this is a little mini-brag, but I noticed that uh, without having read the internet where I found out – I mean, I did, too. <laughs> but um, it is Just because weird... I have it written
0: down on this piece of paper doesn't it... mean that it's not in my head, too.
1: Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh So I had watched Dawn of the Dead before I watched Night of the Living Dead. So mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead features these really traditional – what we think of tr- as traditional-looking zombies. And obviously George Romero had, like, sort of refined – you know, that movie became so popular that that be- kind of became, like – i don't
0: know stereotypical stereotypical
1: zombie Mm -hmm. but watching night of the night of the living dead after having watched Dawn of the Dead, i was much more creeped out by those zombies and because they had they looked human but they had these like lifeless faces
0: uncanny valley i think is like that yeah where something looks almost exactly like a human and that's what creeps you out more so than things that are completely unhuman like And, and
1: i know carnival of souls the reason it really like Resonates is because of its atmosphere and because of the detachment, the alienation of the main character. But really, the design of the ghoul yeah. is so perfect mm-hmm. because it's so minimalistic. I mean, basically, what makes him different from a human being? Looking at from a human being is this how white his face is, like how pasty <laughs> and chalky his face. He's looks. wearing a
0: lot of stage makeup. It works. <laughs> it, yeah. It,
1: well, it almost it's like this is a perfect example, like Night of the Living Dead, where a lack of a budget is to the real benefit of the film. Yeah. if he had, if they had gone all out with like, you know, monster makeup on this guy, it wouldn't have been the same. This thing is burned into my brain for the rest of my life.
0: And also somehow, weirdly enough, knowing that that's the director too, I don't know why that, it's just kind of like, he was just like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. You know, and and like, he kind of brings that kind of effortless, like, hey, I'm just showing up, like energy to that demon, where it's like, the demon doesn't even, to me, feel malicious he's just like oh you're one of us he's not
1: like a dracula type he's not flamboyant he's i don't know he's not like this otherworldly horror he's like familiar in a way and it which plays into the movie i mean like you said at the end it's she's found dead and the way i interpret that and i think that is the popular interpretation of this movie is that this is like sort of what she's experiencing in between between life and death it's her like last like thoughts because you know there is the i've read things before that at the moment you die you experience like an years, alternative. Yeah, like at a year's worth of events, and your brain goes through all this stuff, like dumps, and you... I don't know. I don't know if this science was available back in the 60s. <laughs> Who could possibly know if this is totally accurate? But yeah. But it is, like, a really great interpretation yeah. of that.
0: Another interpretation is that every decision you make branches off into, like, millions of other decisions. That's basically, like, what the alternative universe theory is. And so I think this movie is, like, okay, she either died, and she died, or she survived, but she, since she was supposed to die she is, like, haunted, haunted yeah. by, yeah. And and I will say when I was 13 and I first watched this film and I have, you know, probably a little bit more of, like, a literal interpretation of the events, I thought that she had, like, survived, but then she was haunted by these demons for yeah. whatever reason and they eventually, like, dragged her back to death and mm-hmm. then she showed back up in the car. I mean, the, obviously that theory doesn't hold water, but <laughs> yeah. it's it's interesting that, like, an old film at a time when filmmaking wasn't really held up to the same rigorous storytelling standards that it is today does have so many inter- different uh, yeah. interpretations you know yeah. yeah.
1: well I will say uh, hopefully we don't get an email from Neil deGrasse Tyson correcting us on all of our he uh, would
0: never he
1: would, well I think he would rip us a new one if he, thought, <laughs> if he knew we were talking about scientific theories we have no idea what they're about uh, or anything
0: I got a 5 on my AP physics so um, I think wow. I know what I'm talking about I got about. a 4
1: on my AP bio so I can tell you a little bit about Warren
0: so uh, (laughs) i know a little bit about germ theory but no brag
1: (laughs) i don't know any final thoughts about this one anything else you want to discuss just
0: again that i don't know whenever i think of this film i think of kind of like serendipity because again it was just like on this dvd set i just watched it happenstance and it just struck a chord with me and here i am half of my life later still thinking that this is like such a great movie Mm -hmm. and the fact that this is one and only yeah, feature film, Her Harvey.
1: This director was an advertising director. He did. He
0: made like PSAs and stuff and PSAs like that. Yeah,
1: and stuff. It's, it's just, remarkable. It's
0: it's kind of like on the one hand, I think to myself like, wow, if he had made other movies, like it. But at the same time, I think part of what makes it special is like this flash in the pan quality mm-hmm, that really sure. makes it stick with me. So. Yeah, Carnival of Souls 1962. I know we ruined it for you guys, uh, but I still really think you should watch it. it I, is... If you
1: skipped over that, you can start again right now. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is available on Amazon Prime. Unfortunately, it's in a restored, quote unquote, color version. <sighs> yeah. I think it is on Shudder. I watched it somehow in black and white will, op- through Amazon. I
1: will I will say I would highly recommend watching Criterion, the distribution company that does all sorts of classic. We really released really it on my DVD. I purchased the rental on Amazon Prime, uh, the Criterion Uh restoration. The movie looked incredible. Yeah. I don't know what technology we have nowadays where you're able to do that I know the and movie I, looked incredible and not only so that but it looked that. incredible
0: like the version I watched too sounded better than I remember I mean we
1: had the $1.50 yeah. movie
0: like rip off non copyrighted version yeah
1: it looks like shit But it's maybe we still... shouldn't brag about that but <laughs> yeah, uh, do we still
0: have that DVD oh collection? we
1: certainly do uh, we might have to go back through that thing it and also had do an like a bunch of that. old
0: stinkers on it too oh, like yeah. Dracula's cousin yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> The, I just remember it had the uh, ape man and the the beast from Yucca Flats or something oh, like that. It's
0: the scariest. Well, uh, Yucca Flats, I think that's where they have are storing all of the atomic waste. The well, Yucca Mountains. That's, that's probably some
1: fly drank a bunch of li- liquid oh, toxic waste. Yeah. So I'm going to pause right now so I get a, another Corona.
0: We'll be right back, folks. <laughs> uh... Well, anyway, we're yeah. back, folks.
1: Carnival of Souls. Great movie. The film I'm going to talk about is 1932's Freaks by Todd Browning. Very great movie. Um, I'm sure most of you are familiar, or at least have heard of this film before. It is, a, like I said, a horror movie by Todd Browning, the director of Dracula from the year before. So crazy. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I can't believe wild. he also directed Dracula. Um, this movie uh, starring uh, Wallace Ford, Leela Hyams, Olga baklanova yeah. and uh, roscoe eddies those are the those are the sort of um, more traditional actors in the film there are um, a number of individuals who are uh, individuals with disabilities little people people that were actual performers at the circus uh, and among those are harry and daisy earls johnny eck daisy and Viol- violet hilton and Schwitzy. Um, among other many, many other actors who are in the film. This film is a very, very controversial film, even to this day. I'll go over it just really quickly. Basically, this film is about, it stars uh, a little person who in the film is named Hans. He is attracted to this woman who is a, like a trapeze artist. And as it turns out, Hans is really, really rich. He has uh, an inheritance. So the woman, trapeze artist... Decides, I'm going to marry this guy and, you know, bleed him dry and slowly kill him.
0: She wants to black widow him. She, she wants to yeah. black
1: widow him. And she almost gets away with it until Hans realizes, well, thanks to his uh, lovely wife. Kim- For, uh,
0: his fiance F- Frida? But also, yeah, Frida. Frida? Yeah, Frida. But I also think that the people who, I think it's his friend played by maybe Johnny Eck, I don't remember, who finds out the plot. Oh, yeah, that's I think right. it's his friends. The, are the, in man, the,
1: yeah. the, the gentleman who doesn't have the legs, right? Who yeah. walks on his hands. Yeah. yeah. And, um, basically he finds out and him and his friends, his, uh, you know, the quote unquote freaks, um, sort of- The titular freaks. The titular freaks in the end of the movie chase down this woman and, uh, or no, sorry. They don't kill her. They kill the, her boyfriend who plays uh, Adonis uh, in the film. He's like a strong man for the circus. And they don't kill her, but rather maim her and turn her into like a chicken who is now on display at the circus. It's sort of- It's really dark. It's very dark. Now- That seems like a very simple description. The movie's actually quite short. It's uh, 60 minutes long. It was originally 90 minutes long. The film was cut by almost 30 minutes. I believe the film's final version is 63 or 64 minutes. Um, It was cut by almost 30 minutes because a woman... After seeing a test screening of it, sued Todd Browning and the film distributors because she said the film caused her to have a miscarriage. So,
0: And there was a lot of other complaints about it, too, yeah. including from the, the studio, unfortunately, primarily about the people with disabilities mm-hmm. and the people um, and the little people, because a lot of what was cut from the film I read was scenes just showing slice of
1: life, type slice of, stuff. of life.
0: Showing like these people just like living their everyday lives and obviously trying to humanize them yeah. and and get the audience on their side because the movie doesn't work if you're not on the exactly. quote unquote freaks' side. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of it's really unfortunate. I would so love to see that ninety and minute version. The ninety
1: minute version has been lost to yeah. history. It's completely the longest version remaining is sixty four minutes. Um. But yeah, no, the film is quite short. So this, you know, the outline of the story is quite short, but. A lot of what fills up this film is sort of like slice of life type stuff. Yeah, there is um, really cool. one uh, woman in the film, the quote-unquote bearded lady, um, yes. who had they, they show her giving birth to a child uh, from one of the other circus performers. circus performers. Another part of the film is a man who is quote-unquote the human torso. Yes, that's um, his stage name. That's his stage name but he doesn't have any arms or legs, but it shows him lighting a cigarette and smoking it. In
0: the, and I heard in the cut version, it also shows him rolling his yeah. own cigarette. Yeah. So like <laughs> stuff that is really making you like think to yourself, they're just it's humanizing stuff. Because interestingly, in the movie, you actually don't see them performing. You see no. uh, Frida... You hear them talking
1: about performing. Like, see Frida, oh, are you excited like, for tonight's show? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah,
0: you see Frida getting onto a horse, I think, towards the very beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. What is really interesting about the film is that the slice of life you think these are people just like living their lives they have this job um they have this community you know their their own kind of family and here comes kind of an outsider and the outsider is the trapeze artist and the strong cleopatra the cleopatra yeah. yeah and the strong man trying to kind of usurp their life you know yeah. and I'm i sorry, think
1: it's not adonis it's hercules i want to try and get this stuff right
0: i'm like really trying to say a sentence right now. i'm <laughs> sorry <laughs> But I think it's really interesting because you would think a movie in the 1930s, like, unfortunately, before I saw the film, I assumed that the horror of the film would be yeah. the circus performance. I think that's themselves. what a lot of
1: people think. Yeah. Um, and
0: I was like, wow, that's kind of fucked up. I don't know if I want to watch that, but I knew it was so, like, famous that mm-hmm. I watched it anyway. And I was honestly, like, so pleasantly surprised to see it. No, it's actually a film about someone who tries to, like, fuck with them. Yeah, exactly. And what happens when you try to fuck with them. And
1: so the reason I wanted to discuss this movie is too fu- Well actually threefold the first reason is very minor it's honestly one of my favorite horror movies of all time or favorite movies in the genre easily top 10 for me I really love this movie uh, number two, believe it or not, I do not make a living uh, podcasting. <laughs> I know we are very good at our jobs, but uh, in my uh, normal life, I am a civil rights attorney for people with disabilities. Just a little plug right there. Yeah, I
0: was about to say, you make, to make me my... sound really like, like a capitalist <laughs> in comparison. To um,
1: basically, people who have been working for civil rights for individuals with disabilities who have been in the field for a very long time, more or less the cutoff for when individuals with disabilities were started to treat, be treated humanely is like 1970, a real watershed moment. All people, Geraldo Rivera, uh, went into the Willbrook Institution in New York and sort of exposed how people were treated in mm-hmm. asylums and instit- what they were called back then, but you know, mental institutions. Um, you know, Over the past 30, 40 years, individuals with disabilities have seen I would say objectively, I mean, there's still a ton of problems, but I think objectively speaking, a lot of people would agree when I say they've seen conditions and their livelihoods improve greatly since then. And when you watch a movie like Freaks from 1932, mm-hmm. Treat them so sympathetically, individuals with disabilities so sympathetically. Uh, you know, again, they're shown giving birth, they're shown having quote unquote normal lives. Well, and
0: like they said on the Good Morning Nancy podcast, something I didn't directly think of, but also um, shown having love lives and having exactly. sex lives. And like, because I think there's among some people, unfortunately, view people with disabilities as not being sexual or not being capable of having romantic relationships. <laughs> so I thought, because the central plot line is Hans falls in love with someone. And breaks off his engagement with Frida. Yeah, and so it it's kind also of like a, a love. Person. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a love triangle type. of thing. Yeah, event. and
1: I would highly encourage people to listen to Good Morning Nancy's episode on Frida. Yeah, it's very good, fantastic, and they have they a lot go more very in depth into that film. Yeah, like, and
0: I like that they have a lot more details too on how all of the actors, what they thought of the films, because exactly. some of the performers loved the film, and a lot of them did not. Some like the did film. find
1: it exploitative. Yeah. and that's not for me to judge. Mm-hmm. You know whether or not the film is exploitative, exploitative or not. I, what I will say though is that. It speaks volumes that part of the reason why the film was cut is because people were uncomfortable with the way that individuals with disabilities were portrayed in this film. In a positive light. In a positive light. That disturbed people. And And I think it forced people to confront, you know, the fact that, you know, we, we treat individuals with disabilities like shit. Yeah. And here is a movie showing a film showing us that, that
0: they're like, just like us. That Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. And, you and know, I, I mean, think that speaks volumes about this film. And
0: unfortunately too, I heard that other actors and other workers at the, um, sorry, what's it called? Like film house,
1: Sp- film studio, film studio, yeah.
0: film house. Um, we we'll are have a few drinks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the film studio treated, former circus performers kind of like shit like they had to eat in a mess hall tent outside because they weren't allowed to eat in the commissary and so it's it's kind of interesting that even in the face of this like this is the film that comes exactly well i
1: think part of it is uh todd browning was a former circus performer before he became a filmmaker so he had prior experience with individuals with disabilities and i think the film really does speak for itself again i'll let individuals with disabilities speak for how it portrays individuals with disabilities not me but i did feel as a person without a disability and as a person who you know works in the disability field i felt the movie was really touching almost to the point where you know i was almost crying at some of the scenes the end
0: end scene with hans and frida like even given the scene that happens like yeah right before or after it i mean the scene with hans and frida was like genuinely like very a very touching. touching scene and but yeah i think you're right like i don't think it's for us to say like this film is exploitative or it's not but i think that what we can say is that given its time it's a really unique look into the lives of, of people with disabilities and I hope
1: you mentioned the uh final scene and i wanted to discuss the third and final reason why i really wanted to discuss Again, this film
0: very major spoilers for, I'll probably put a spoiler at the top of the show exactly. and tell people that we're going to spoil both these We shows. probably
1: should put a spoiler on top of the podcast page and be like, we're going to talk about spoilers always.
0: Listen. We're not afraid. Okay.
1: <laughs> there are some podcasts out there that won't discuss spoilers. We will. But anyway, this movie, this has kind of been a mantra for, for me for the first few episodes, but this movie's very extreme, especially for 1932. Hit your tagline. It's Sh- extreme.
0: Sheer depiction of brutality. Oh, sorry. Yeah.
1: yeah well. <laughs> so the final sequence um, is basically after Hans finds out about Cleopatra's plot against him. Oh, my God. His, him and his friends, the other... Circus. Yeah. yeah. I'll just say circus it's Circus. I
0: feel so uncomfortable being like, the freaks, even yeah, though that's the name of the... Yeah.
1: That's another thing. You know, I, we won't get into the terminology as well. It's obviously pejorative. It's obviously not a proper term to refer to someone yeah. with a disability. It's the name of the film. You know, this is still the 1930s. Ugh. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like this is a appropriate thing to refer. <laughs> um, so yes, the circus they're, they are circus performers. Uh, we won't get into it. But uh, the circus performers, you know, the, the circus is moving, moving to the next town. So there's, you know, a little caravan. Mm-hmm. And while this is occurring in the rain, it's mud everywhere. The circus performers, chase down Cleopatra and uh, Hercules.
0: And sorry, like, right before they chase down Cleopatra and Hercules, like, I love when Hans, like, confronts Mm -hmm. Cleopatra. He's like, what's that? Yeah. Like, when uh, she's trying to pour the poison into his medicine. I don't know why, but it was like, that was the moment where I was like, shit's about to go down. And (laughs) then his
1: friends who are there, like, sort of, like, with him at his bedside, pull out 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 a knife, one pulls out a gun. And you're
0: just like, oh, no.
1: (laughs) It was... So well yeah. set up. And then, you know, there's also the part where Hercules confronts, you know, there's a little side story with Hercules's former girlfriend who's friends with Frida, and they're discussing relationships throughout the movie. But, you know, his ex um, starts seeing uh, Bobo the Clown. Oh, yeah. Uh, who I forget what his name was other than Bobo the Clown.
0: Bit but of a dilf. But yeah,
1: yeah, a little <laughs> bit of a dilf. Uh, but there's a side story where, you know, Hercules goes to confront her. And you know him and Bubbo get into it oh, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I
0: totally forgot about. That. Yeah,
1: they, they get into a fight. What happens to Hercules is unclear because they cut so much footage. Well, what they
0: cut, what, they, what cut, they cut was
1: no pun intended. What they cut was uh, <laughs> the in the original film. Supposedly, the circus performers attack Hercules and castrate him. And apparently, it was shown. I, I can't even imagine what this must have looked like. When they say then, they like,
0: show it, I don't, I don't know, know they'll they'll what it like, means. Show but, his-
1: Anyway, they Winky. they castrate him. And I guess later in a later scene, they show him singing in High Soprano yeah. or something. So I don't, Very I don't know. But basically, you don't see too much of what mm-hmm. happens to Hercules in the film. But what happens to Cleopatra is she's like chased down by the circus performers. There's one scene, which I just love, uh, when the gentleman who doesn't have the arms and legs, who was growing uh-huh. the cigarette in the film, he is like chasing her down. And he's you know, like moving, obviously, in the mud and stuff. And he has a knife in his mouth. Yeah. I'm like... The hell is he going to do with that knife in his mouth? Uh, he's
0: going to fucking but stab. Somebody. I was like,
1: he's going to. I mean, he will fuck someone yeah. up. Yeah, I just thought that was a really striking image. I'm like, yeah. man, these are some dedicated. The
0: last ten minutes of this film are some of the best ten minutes.
1: It's horrifying. Of, of I mean, horror. you know, yeah. the, it's raining. There's lightning in mm-hmm. the air. They're going through the forest, and again, I think you know there is some cut footage, obviously, of this when they when they do actually attack her, and I will. I will try to find this on Wikipedia to describe exactly what was cut, but um, basically, they attack her and turn her into a human chicken. I want to say, yeah, something like that. They they do
0: because the hawker who is at the end, he's at the very beginning of the film and the very end of the film. He kind of bookends it. Yeah, he he alludes to the fact like they messed her up, chicken woman, like come see her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So okay,
1: I'm I'm just gonna read straight from the Wikipedia here. This is sort of what. So if you don't like film. it,
0: blame Wikipedia. Exactly.
1: I'm just yeah, exactly. This is true to true to life fact on Wikipedia. Um Cleopatra, she has become a grotesque, squawking human duck. The flesh oh of her God. hands has been melted and deformed to look like duck feet. Her legs have been cut off, and what is left of her torso has been tarred and feather.
0: That's fucking gruesome.
1: That is what is cut. So you basically get yeah. the scene of her being chased down and, and like the last thing
0: you see is them like cornering her. Cornering basically. her,
1: yeah, and then it cuts to her scary and she's like quacking i mean it's really disturbing especially like
0: and i think it's interesting because especially knowing her for the majority of the film as like the beauty and as mm -hmm. like you know she was the part of the circus where everyone came to like marvel at her like beauty and her grace and to see that she was like reduced quote-unquote you know to a duck
1: again we're not film historians film buffs but this was a quote-unquote pre-code uh, film oh yeah. That, uh, basically there wasn't less regulations on what can be shown in a film prior to 1934. I think this film One of the with, last pre-code. Yeah I, I think there was some uh, Scarface the, the mob movie was one of the last ones too because he in that film he titular Scarface shoves a grapefruit in some woman's face and rubs it in there and it's some disturbing stuff, but...
0: Is that, like, would you rather be turned into a duck or have a grapefruit <sighs> rubbed in your face? Let me think about it. Are it there d- cuts on my face? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Would it hurt?
1: I mean, how bad would it hurt? <laughs> but um, this is one of the pre- f- final pre-code. I think it's called the haze Code. Yeah. Um, but even with that... It had a ton cut from it, you know, and I would say.
0: But again, the stuff that was cut from it primarily was the slice of life stuff. I I mean, it did—they did cut the most gruesome acts. Sorry, the most gruesome parts of the attacks. Yeah, but unfortunately, I think the film that came out on the other end. It's just like a little light on the like, hey, here's the people you're supposed to side with. Yeah, I understand
1: that. But I do think there is a lot of shock value to Mm -hmm. some of the final 10 minutes of this movie. And prior to this, the only two movies I can think of that are even come close to being like as extreme as it is the quote unquote documentary Haxon about uh witchcraft that came out in I believe like nineteen oh, I would have to look it up. I didn't do research on this prior to um but that movie shows I'm gonna like I find that
0: in my research, my extensive research that I did in preparation for this show.
1: Yeah, well my research shows that uh <laughs> Haxon show it's it claims to be a documentary, but it's not really much of a documentary. It's like the
0: Nanook. Yeah, it's like Dandok
1: of the North, but it shows, like, you know, witch covens doing rituals and things like that, supposedly. And then uh, the other film that came to mind was Unshine Andalou, the Luis Buñuel, Salvador Dali film. It's sort of...
0: None of those words made sense to me. You know who Salvador
1: Dali is, correct? Yes, I know. Uh, But that movie is sort of just a collection of, like, surreal images that, you know, obviously very Salvador Dali-esque, very artistic. There's like a lot of
0: elephants with long legs floating by. Not quite, but the first,
1: the first scene does include a woman's eye being cut, uh, and you see everything, and the way they captured this effect was by using a cow's eye. Um, no! And, well already dead cow's eye so it
0: number one cow had to die number two
1: <laughs> but i think this movie caused people to throw rocks at the screen and everything you know people don't were you okay whenever died. you hear
0: like stories of like people throwing rocks at the screen or like getting like fainting in the aisles <laughs> don't you kind of wish like for one day go back to the 30s and like be in the crowd of like all these people acting like really extra
1: <laughs> <laughs> i want
0: to throw rocks i want to faint i want like...
1: to throw rocks after watching slender man let me tell you that movie is really bad <laughs> You know, those are the only two, other two films that come to mind as being very extreme prior to the 30s. This film, Freaks, doesn't really even come close to being as extreme as those films. I think what is implied by the film, especially the image of, of yeah. her tattered feather, having her skin grafted. It's honestly stuff.
0: like that shot of her as, I guess, a duck. It's, it's shocking. Fre- yeah, it's scary.
1: I did want to just ask one more thing. What do you make of the fact that you're supposed to feel, this movie does make you feel very sympathetic towards individuals with disabilities. And it does, you know, really show some great compassion towards individuals with disabilities. And then the last 10 minutes are them brutally murdering people.
0: I know. People.
1: What do you, I mean, what are we yeah, supposed to I've, make of I've that? I've been
0: like thinking about that. My modern interpretation of this, which is probably not how it was intended, but all people deserve the right to defend themselves and all people deserve the right to community. Mm-hmm. And if it were my friend being taken advantage of in the way Hans was, I might also retaliate. I would not turn someone into a duck. No, me But not. I mean, my modern interpretation is you fuck with my family, I'll fuck with you. Like that kind of mentality. <laughs> Very Which fast is, and furious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too fast, too furious. <laughs> you know, that's kind of my modern interpretation of it. But I think at the time... I, I think it may. Have
1: de- I think it may have dehumanized. It, them. It's it's
0: kind of like that's a the weird, only thing that
1: concerns me about it. It's cause... a
0: weird thing because I think the one of us we didn't mm. even talk about that. Yeah, Google such gobble, Google yeah, gobble. such a, like a famous yeah. um you know line. I think in the end they literally. "Quote unquote," make her one of mm-hmm. them, and so I think this idea that she's been rejecting being a part of their community the entire film. In the end, they kind of force her hand in that way. I think that is what the real interpretation. Of I the think film that's is.
1: definitely the more compassionate and more maybe what the director intended. But I feel like the way that most people see it is like, oh look, yeah, they really unfortunately, are, yeah. yeah, they really are degenerate. And
0: that's what I was part of. What I was going to say is like, it almost feels like a waste of fifty nine minutes of mm. really wonderful like character and community building and again it's it's interesting and it's hard to know you know what we're supposed to make of it i agree like Mm -hmm. it does kind of seem like they're freaks and this is what they do type of thing you know
1: yeah that kind of
0: sucks and i but i also love how hans and frida are like meh and then they like get back together
1: (laughs) (laughs) but we love each other yeah it's
0: like i know i turned my ex wife into a duck but
1: I don't want to be the one to say this. I was hoping you'd say it first, but Frida deserves better. She just he just left her based on I looks. Know. Come on, Frida.
0: I know. Frida deserves better, first of all. She's a beautiful and she talented is. woman. And she's intelligent re- about yes. the whole situation. She's very and emotionally intelligent. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think think that she understands that maybe he was kind of like momentarily just like blinded by what men are told to want, which is like beauty and mystery and all this kind of stuff. But I agree. I'm kind of like Frida Girl. Boy, bye. Like, <laughs> move on. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's freaks. Um, this is one where if you enjoy slice of life, if you enjoy yeah. like understanding a different culture from a different time, I totally. mean, you know, a lot of these performers were actual circus performers. I think I, I want to say a vast of majority yeah. of them were. I don't, I, I would struggle to think well, of which one. Oh,
0: God. There's so much to talk about. One last thing I want to say is that. It was a choice on the director's part to not use quote unquote movie magic and to cast actual circus performers. Yeah. I didn't read too, too much into the reason why he did that, except for like, again, cost reasons, like it was cheaper to pay these people like a salary than it was to hire actors and then like do all the special effects. In my heart of hearts, I want it to be also because he wanted his film to be authentic. Well, ultimately, it's
1: more respectful too. I mean, I think- Well, obviously, yeah, but I just wonder if he was
0: concerned about being respectful. I'm sure
1: his intentions weren't entirely pure. Yeah. (laughs) um, You know, this is a pretty genuine look at a culture a different culture again from a different time yeah like and a compassionate circus, look yeah. at it too so and then you have one of the most famous horror sequences of all time at the end so it's a pretty good bonus i mean uh,
0: as a horror fan i mean i'm not one to cast stones because i watched it for this episode mm-hmm. but i would say you got you got to watch it it's yeah. it's it's a classic work out film. the moral yeah.
1: quandaries in your head hey message me on facebook Twitter, Instagram. Let's talk about it. Uh
0: <laughs> a weird plug for our social channels.
1: <laughs> we don't have a Facebook, just an Instagram yeah. <laughs> and Twitter. But anyway, um, I would highly suggest people check out both of these films. Great job, folks. Uh, anyway, yeah, so that's uh Freaks and Carnival of Souls. Carnival too. of Souls would you say those that's your favorite black and white? That's my favorite black and white. I mean
0: I mean that's why I chose it. Honestly, my favorite honestly, black, my and, favorite white, black yeah.
1: and white horror film of all time is Night of the Living Dead. Well, yeah. Um I mean I actually
0: sorry, I like Carnival of Souls more than Night of the Living Dead, but there's a reason why we didn't discuss Night of the Living Dead Yeah, so- I think
1: that's an uh an easy like top 3 black and white horror film for anyone mm-hmm. but
0: And another must see if you have
1: Another seen. must see yeah absolutely that uh one recently got a copyright so now you have to pay for it and you should pay for it give to George Romero's estate let his family
0: do whatever, do it is whatever they,
1: do. they want to do, because he made great movies. Yeah. He deserves to get paid, even though he's dead.
0: You know the reason why it wasn't copyrighted, too? It was like a filing error. I know.
1: <laughs> he literally just forgot to fax faxed it to the wrong place or something. And
0: he was like, eh, whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, before we go, I just wanted to kind of go over a few minor topics like we have been doing. First off, last episode, I listed some of my favorite YouTube my favorite YouTube channels, other podcasts and things like that. I overlooked one really, really important one. How- dare you. my favorite maybe any kind of youtuber is a gentleman named horrible reviews or reviews he says horrible reviews because he's he's oh. dutch so i said it just like him but
0: you yes i've seen he's some of his fantastic videos, yeah. so
1: he came to prominence initially like maybe five years ago because he did the most disturbing movie series and that's kind of what he's known for traditionally what are
0: some of the movies that he did
1: oh
0: my Do, I, again, not again i mean so
1: basically he has a up to part like i want to say 16 or 17 and he does five movies uh, films sorry for per uh, episode he hasn't done this series for like a year year and a half or so I want to say but you know he goes over the cannibal movies he goes over last house on the left audition you know stuff that people traditionally think of as disturbing and then like some of the more hardcore like oh have you seen this movie dude like you know august <laughs> isn't, underground isn't
0: he like i've only seen like maybe one or two of his videos but he's just like a very pleasant looking oh Dutch he man. is he <laughs> is
1: and he's actually uh makes rap beats too so he plays his beats over his video he's just a very Sick. he's just a very pleasant guy <laughs> yeah and you wouldn't think that this dude would be doing that's how i feel about jay on um horror horror, movie yeah, exactly. Reci- uh, recently uh he does every year the films of whatever year he's doing 2018 and he's reviewed Mandy Summer of 84 and a few other films I'm not as familiar with, uh, that I will be checking out because he reviewed recently an Indonesian supernatural film. So he's always like, you know, he's not a guy that will just like, oh, the nun's out. I'm going to review that. He's just interested. Why not? I mean, we did. So we we discussed it for like three seconds. But anyway. I would have
0: discussed it for a lot longer.
1: He has a a number of different great series. He's my absolute favorite podcast, YouTuber, anything. I don't know how I overlooked him, but... Definitely check him out. But anyway, also another thing I wanted to discuss real quick. We recently had the relaunch of Fangoria magazine. Please
0: tell uh, our listeners how you came into possession of that Uh, magazine. My
1: dear sister... purchased me a year-long subscription uh four issues for the year for my birthday
0: you guys i'm like not a great gift giver this is this like, is a
1: fantastic this gift. is
0: like the best gift i've ever so given sorry this... to everyone else i've given gifts to <laughs> not as good
1: <laughs> this issue also came with a poster that i forgot to bring over i would have what shown you what poster was it it's was just it for a puppet fang- master oh no it's not the
0: puppet master
1: <laughs> it is a fangoria poster that features you know all the great film monsters throughout history really it's cool. really cool we'll have to but, hang it up um, in
0: uh the pod room otherwise known as my boyfriend's video game yeah
1: room. along with the cheerleader uh calendars yeah he
0: has um is that
1: i believe that uh, is sports illustrated sports very illustrated. some very
0: sexy ladies very classy
1: <laughs> but um this issues fangoria talks a lot the cover is uh, michael myers talks a lot about the horror the halloween films the upcoming halloween films as a piece on the new Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, which Fangoria apparently produced. So it's a big it. big spread on that. Apparently it's pretty good. I've never watched any Puppet Master movie. But the most, I want to just quickly go over the most interesting article that I read in here, which is done by the gentleman who wrote and I believe directed Bone Tomahawk. Uh, his name is S. Craig Zoller. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Bone Tomahawk. I've heard great things about it. I really want to check it out. But anyway, this article is about homemade horror movies. So the only homemade horror movies that I'm familiar with that I've probably mentioned too many times on this podcast already is those by Fred Vogel, who made the August Underground series. Um, You've brought it up a few this times. This is the third time I've brought it up, actually. <laughs> oh,
0: we haven't brought up Unfriended this episode yet. Uh, okay,
1: Unfriended. <laughs> anyway, so this article is actually by a filmmaker named Brian Paulin, uh, who does the Morbid Vision films. And he talks about the Morbid Vision films in this article, which uh, this, this gentleman he made one of the movies I'm most interested in from this article is a movie called fetus. You'll see in this picture is a woman stabbing a Why
0: did you show that to
1: fetus me? with a knife. Spoiler uh, alert. Some of want to
0: have children someday.
1: <laughs> um, I thought it was a really interesting article because this is like something I think a lot of horror fans don't think about. I mean, anybody can make a horror movie. Yeah. Anybody can make a good horror movie. Now. Okay. I've seen Fred Vogel's movies. Uh, uh, I've seen the August underground series. And then I saw, um, you have, <laughs> yes i saw another one of his films i can't quite remember the name of it you know he's a homemade horror director and you know the reason i like his movies they're not good movies they're terribly terribly acted and the scripts aren't great but there's a rawness to them and like you know shot on video and you know really good gore effects actually it's really great they
0: have like a sheer depiction of brutality occasionally
1: (laughs) (laughs) i bring this up simply to say is that reading this article made me realize you know I should open up, expand my boundaries a little bit. And yeah. we all should, you know, give smaller filmmakers a chance. I
0: think that would be, and not to show our hand, but an interesting future episode. Too, Absolutely. To do, and I, like, homemade horror or, like, really small budget yeah. horror movies. My it's thing hard about to find. it is, yeah, it's like, where do, like, I am happy to pay, especially for independent horror films. Mm. But I literally like don't know where to so find. So there was films. a link
1: to Morbid Vision Films that you can Google Morbid Vision Films, oh, okay. and I explored uh, Mr. Pollen's films and the movie Fetus that I was most interested by based on these disturbing pictures. <laughs> uh, it was sold out, so oh. I think there is a legitimate difficulty in getting these films. I do not want to pirate this movie right but that's what
0: i'm saying it's like especially i want like,
1: to purchase it the so. smaller
0: the movie the less i want mr pollen
1: if you're listening to this podcast put fetus back on the internet <laughs> i want I to watch
0: film. i
1: want to see this film yeah. um but yeah i would encourage people you know um I, I certainly don't know any directors in my life but you know certainly encourage uh smaller you know smaller you
0: don't know any directors
1: i'm sure i do i you know
0: like one of your friends yeah, i'm like, sure excuse they... me i know
1: <laughs> excuse me uh lj freza to I, say, I mean,
0: I don't know. Does LJ but, um, listening?
1: I would encourage everyone to support smaller filmmakers. Mm-hmm. If you see like a clip or a gif or something that you like, look into if it. If you're
0: watching some gifs, yeah, that's if how just I hanging honestly out, looking at memes. There's so
1: many times I've wa- I've seen a gif where I'm like, "Where's that from?" And I found <laughs> out about some obscure movies. So
0: okay, it's been a while since our last record. I've actually been watching horror movies. I've seen like three a week.
1: Yes, uh, I've seen, I,
0: and usually maybe we, even more than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Folks, you couldn't see it, but I just rolled my eyes. So I discussed with you, maybe not discussing every single horror movie we've seen, so I'll just mention to you, I did see Mandy, mm-hmm. as we discussed. We both watched Summer of 84, which was, yeah. as my partner refers to it, the poor man Super 8, but I actually... <laughs> I actually kind of liked it more and I was thinking about why. Sorry, Summer of 84 is about a group of kids in the 80s. One of them thinks that his um, neighbor is a serial killer. Mm -hmm. The neighbor is played by Rich Summer from both Mad Men and Glow. Mm -hmm. This man loves a period piece. Yeah,
1: he certainly does. Um,
0: Yeah. He plays the neighbor. The reason why I kind of actually like it a little bit more than Super 8 and I was thinking on Reflect is it definitely is more horror than mm-hmm. sci-fi. Because it, it, the serial killer, you know, yeah, vibe to it. I,
1: I just, I know the 80s thing is played out. We have Stranger Things. We have-
0: I'm honestly, I, I'm not glow. even like excited for the new season of Stranger Things yeah, at this point.
1: I'm just kind of like, okay. <laughs> this movie, the only thing is, is that this movie didn't have to be set in the 80s, but it is made better by being set in the 80s. There's no cell yeah. phones. There's no- you know the the kid can't put a camera. You know, hide a camera in his. He hides neighbor. a walkie talkie. Yeah. Walkie talkies. I thought this movie was so good it was, was scary it was so effective yeah it was so good it honestly um, was
0: like i was contemplating like maybe top five material for i know for this year. we'll, we'll yeah. talk
1: we'll we'll talk in our top tens later this year yeah. uh, it definitely has a place on my top 10 right now
0: yeah another 2018 film um that i watched google says it's 2017 but i'm not really sure how and, they categorized the 2018 yeah, 2017 yeah i'm always confused the endless
1: yeah and um, that's one where i i really want to watch that very so, soon <sighs>
0: I, I run into this problem a lot because this is just the genre of film that I like. I don't know if it's a horror film. I'll, I'll just say that. If you think Annihilation is a horror film, you'll That's think it's one
1: a... that I've been struggling with yeah. big time. Like, I
0: love Annihilation. Weirdly enough, the only film I've ever seen where I did not like the book, but I liked the film. Interesting. So, yeah, take that for what you will. But I wouldn't say it's a horror movie. I wouldn't say The Endless is a horror movie. I mean, the premise, if you think about it and you're like, if that happened to me, that would be horror, and I would be scared. But the movie itself is not is not very scary, but it is very good. Okay. And I would say definitely watch it. I think it's on Prime.
1: And it's also a sequel.
0: If you read interviews with the directors who play brothers in the film, which the film is about two brothers who grew up in a quote-unquote cult. One of them thinks it's a cult. The other one doesn't think it's a cult. They go back to visit their friends at the cult, and hilarity ensues. I don't know. <laughs> um, love
1: a good cult movie. So I'll I love a cult out.
0: movie. This is... It, it was a really good film, but... Film. If I was making a top 10 films of the year, I would be on yeah. it. But as far as horror films, I just don't think it's a horror film. And I, I mean, it would be like an honorable mention because... But... Our
1: friend... Well, he's not our personal friend. We just very much admire him uh josh at horror movie podcast yeah. gave this a 10 out of 10 so that yeah. really made me want to check it, it out it was
0: i mean i wouldn't i didn't give it a 10 out of 10 i think there was elements of it definitely dragged in parts but the story and especially reading about how it ties into the other film very interesting apparently there's like a million different like little easter eggs so clearly these are very skilled storytellers yeah, yeah. and and filmmakers and so i really enjoyed it the endless finally the last film i watched Unfortunately, after our found footage episode was Hell House LLC, mm. 2015 found footage horror film about a group of doc- documentarians uh-huh. who go back to a hotel where there was a haunted house mm-hmm. that went awry, and you are watching the footage of the people who made the haunted house, as well as the footage of the documentarians who are kind of like trying to uncover the secret. Mm-hmm. It was pretty scary. Pretty scary. I mean...
1: I've seen it a few times scrolling through either Netflix or Amazon. It's Amazon, Yeah. And I've been like, hmm, I should watch that. But I, I just never pulled the trigger on I honestly, it. honestly- What made you want to- Yeah,
0: I was just like, why was I watching it? I don't know. Like, because it was after I found footage, so I was like-
1: So it's I, worth watching?
0: Yeah. I mean, again, as we discussed, ad nauseum, maybe some people might think it's gimmicky. Played I, out. Played out. <laughs> stupid. Um, <laughs> I really thought it was scary. Yeah, I thought I thought it was scary, and I thought the story was pretty tight. Not to be confused with the documentary, real documentary, Hell House, which is about a Christian haunted house, which I would recommend even more. Yeah. So good. Have you seen that? I have not, but it's I've heard amazing. a lot of things about it. Yeah. <laughs> it literally like this woman got an abortion. <laughs> and now she's in hell. And you're like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. But it's also kind of like, oh shit, these people are like insane. Totally insane. But yeah, so I mean, I've seen a few other films besides that since we last spoke, including. Carnival Souls and Freaks, mm-hmm. which we obviously discussed. We watched Trick
1: or Treat together. We watched Trick or uh, Treat. On our uh, Hurricane Michael getaway. Yeah, yeah,
0: our Hurricane Michael getaway to our Mimi's condo. <laughs> <laughs> what else did I... Well, I guess I won't go into yeah. again. I won't go into everything well, I watched, but yeah. The other thing I watched is I started The Haunting of Hill House, which is the Netflix oh, I'm series. i to start that
1: very soon. It's super good. Yeah, that very soon. I
0: saw online that people were calling it a slow burn, so I was like, I know I'm gonna like this, because <laughs> I love it. we are
1: such babies. It's not
0: a slow burn, either. Like Something really dramatic happens in the like end of the first episode so i'm kind of like okay mm, like people are such big
1: ba- if something the is bar like,
0: is so high, like high for horror well I feel it's like. just
1: also there's so much content out there yeah. now like you can literally like start and stop 10 different tv shows and yeah be like, okay this is the one i want
0: um the guy who plays the oldest brother is played by dario from game of thrones mm. just a total dreamboat yeah <laughs> So, I mean, if that's not enough for you to watch it, I don't know what is.
1: Well, I have been, as you know, I am one uh, Stubbs member, A-list member uh, for AMC. Wow. Thank you. Palm
0: Fonds appeared out of nowhere and started fanning you. (laughs) I'm starting to be
1: fed grapes, as you (laughs) see. But um, I have been endeavoring to try and catch, you know, every movie, uh, every horror movie that appears in our small town theater. So...
0: (gasps) Oh, what did I do right before we started recording? Speaking of which
1: uh purchase a ticket to the halloween movie I'm so on, friday. We're we're going going on friday we're going to catch halloween on friday yeah. folks and we'll let you know exactly what we think of
0: it turn it tune in to our real films to get the real rundown on the new we won't show. give
1: spoilers on this one <laughs> yeah. though i promise, okay, we
0: promise. <laughs> no we're
1: not that badass <laughs> anyway in my endeavor to try and catch you know as many horror films as i can uh, in theaters i watched Hellfest, which mm. stars among other people uh Tony Todd of Candyman and Deep Space Nine, The Visitor episode, one of my favorite Star Trek episodes of all time fame. I cry every single time I watch that episode. Anyway, that was a sidebar. Hellfest, (laughs) which is basically a film about, you know, what if, you know, people at- uh, Hold
0: on. Let me- that's my cat. Let me just let him out.
1: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Hellfest is sort of about what if someone at Halloween Horror Nights actually started attacking people.
0: Um, I'm going to Halloween Horror Nights in two weeks, and I can.
1: What if someone started attacking I'm you?
0: Literally, that's my deepest fear. And I really think it could happen. So
1: great premise for a movie. Uh-huh. Correct. This movie was just not good. I, heard I it was didn't so follow through on
0: the premise. I was so yeah. disappointed
1: because it's such a great idea for a film that is like in modern times so many people at least in in florida go to halloween horror nights yeah. and are fucking terrified by it what if one of those dudes actually started killing people
0: i can tell you what would happen i would probably like legitimately shit my pants <laughs> yeah so
1: great premise and honestly some of the kills were pretty fun yeah i won't give it away it's still in theaters yeah. so i won't give it away I some of like the kills were it. fun but the suspense just wasn't there. Like the sense of dread and fear just wasn't there. I kinda the characters were like douchey teenagers. I kinda like I, I know everybody always says like characters in like these, you know, these teens are always such terrible actors. All they care you know, I kinda like
0: Um have they seen Truth or Dare. Yeah. Well I mean, okay. Well some amazing acting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I kinda like and cared about the characters. Something just didn't click with this movie yeah. for for this film for me. But um I will say it's a really great idea but unfortunately the best part about this movie was uh, my friend Rosie ordering the greasiest looking pretzel I've ever seen in <laughs> my life and eating all of it and groaning as she was eating it. <laughs> like groaning
0: and ple- like in, 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 pa- in
1: total pain. Oh, that, okay. Like, why did I order this greasy pretzel? <laughs> so that was mostly what I was entertained by during the film.
0: I feel like, what movie did we go see with her this year?
1: Truth or Dare. Dare. No, I
0: saw Truth or Dare by myself. Oh, we okay. saw something else. Oh,
1: I saw Truth or Dare with oh, her. Oh, we
0: went to go see Unfriended Dark, <laughs> oh, yeah, Dark Web. Oh, yeah, Dark Web. Her was... comedy was like i was living for golden it. but yeah
1: it's okay. really unfortunate i will say you know i'm not too much of a sequel person but i do hope there's a Hellfest fest too just to see if they can really flesh out these ideas because yeah it's a great idea for a film
0: yeah it always sucks when a movie has like such a great premise because yeah. you're like oh like maybe i still like it but you don't like. whereas
1: a movie like a film like truth or dare terrible premise and terrible movie <laughs> <laughs> i
0: mean <laughs> it was I'll give it this, though. Unlike Slender Man, which you said wasn't even fun, Truth or Dare is fun. Yeah, it was really fun to it's watch. It's very that's fun.
1: Cool. Yeah, no, that's... that's you going to see Halloween. I'm actually seeing the new Eli Roth children's movie, right. House of the Clock and His Walls, tomorrow. I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean it
0: was... Okay. Yeah. And, I would like um, to see... Um, We discussed... I probably will check out Goosebumps. Because oh, I... I Goosebumps, too, Goosebumps, Goosebumps 2. Goosebumps I
1: watched Goosebumps 1 this week, nothing, actually. Quite a good one. And
0: away. as I said, Mandy. It was really great. Yeah. What else is there to say? Yeah. It was... a. Phenomenal film. As you said, Nick Cage is. Excellent. Yeah,
1: his cage rage is so good in that film too. It's not worth making fun of. of.
0: Don't make fun of me. I've had a few beers. I teared up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I felt you
1: had a few beers at that time. I felt.
0: I felt for him. Like what happened to him when he was at that moment towards the end of the cage rage. I was like, all right, pull it back a little. But like at the beginning, he's like,
1: it's it's a great
0: move. Yeah. Before we turn out, I just would like to say we haven't published yet. We will be. I think
1: this is our last episode before we publish. Well, I think we'll be publishing it
0: with. Yeah. With. Yeah. the rest of them but we have sent a prototype of our early podcast episodes to our friends mm-hmm. so we just want to give thanks friends just a quick <laughs> shout out thank you to um katherine ellie Tori, and vincent and rosie is also um thank you guys we really appreciate your f- feedback mm-hmm. it makes us feel good but also it's like we do legitimately want to make like a good podcast so and we appreciate also, the feedback
1: in that vein we're not going to be one of these you know we're we're not going to demand that you give us five stars on iTunes. I
0: probably will. We will
1: at some point, but <laughs> right now we do want constructive feedback. Yeah. So if there's something you like, you don't like, leave it on a review. Message us. Um, we're at Real Films, A H H R E A L Films on Instagram. Yes. On Twitter, we're Real Films, A H H R E E <laughs> L Films. And please follow Can't us on... I am sorry. That's all I could get on Twitter. you got to give me a break. Well, I'm just like... <laughs> Look, we have to embrace our mediocre podcast. Name. I don't
0: give a shit. And you can also email us at A-H-H-R-E-A-L films at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We are up and running. If you send us a mes- message, we will get it. If you follow us on any our of our social media... Our legion of medias. fans
1: will be sending us many emails. We, we will respond to each and every one. We
0: have seven followers on both of our social <laughs> media feeds. Actually, I got an Instagram... Notification! I think we got another follower. Oh my god! Yeah, when we get
1: to thirteen followers, we'll throw a party. Yeah. It's the unlucky number. <laughs> we give,
0: we give, like a, we do a giveaway to like our six <laughs> fans. <laughs> Here, but, Tori, you want a mini bottle of vodka.
1: <laughs> anyway, um, well, we thank you, folks. Please, whatever feedback you want to give us, and also part of the reason we started this podcast was to engage with members of the horror community. Uh, we don't think there's enough podcast content, YouTubers, whatever, out there in horror and you know we wanted to add to that dearth
0: smash that like button
1: please smash it (laughs) give how many ever many stars you want now by the time we get to our like 15th episode please give us five stars if if
0: you like i'll warn you i'm a crier i (laughs) did cry at nick cage if you give us three stars i will cry (laughs) (laughs) if
1: you give us two stars that's fine but three stars please no thank you folks and um we'll be back next time with i believe our halloween our
0: halloween episode so i hope uh, uh, That was pretty good. (laughs) Um, So we will see you next time. Goodbye, ladies and germs. Bye. It's in there. Oh, yeah. We have a beer fridge. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Folks, you don't even want to know what's happening right now. That fridge is so full of beer and LaCroix. Hey, have you heard about the LaCroix lawsuit? Uh, yes, I have. That's bullshit, right? Because I'm not going to stop drinking those things. <laughs> I mean,
1: there's, so, there's so many things in this world that are bad for you that
0: I don't even think it's worth. When, remember when we found out that, like, Fireball had antifreeze in it? And now we're still like, Fireball, dude. <laughs> I'm, like, still drinking that shit. <laughs>
1: I love fireball, folks. Um, Um,
0: It's so good. Have you ever mixed it with a vanilla Coke?
1: No. That sounds delicious. I feel like
0: Chris, like, I don't know why, but in my mind, he's the one who bequeathed that to Mm -hmm. me. It's so
1: good. Well, he bequeathed me crown apple, and I'll never (sighs) thank him enough for that. I know.
0: That crown apple is so fucking good. (laughs)